Well, hey, folks. Welcome. Well, here we are, the Not Necessarily Mad podcast, with me, Eric Collinsworth, and G.B. Meyer. So thanks for joining us. In this episode, G.B. and I discuss cars in our past, some thoughts on the car as an expression, and that one junker we truly loved. So let's get right to it. Well, hey, GB. Hey, Eric. How's it going, buddy? I, you know what, man? It's been it's been a pretty pretty good week, actually. I yeah. uh, I felt like a normal musician getting out and doing some doing some things last week. I had a recording gig, a private party, and then a, an afternoon sort of yard thing at a at one of the uh, art centers here in in the area. So it was uh, almost like being back to normal. Wow! So was that a uh, was it, that it, taking advantage of your full musical and style range? Uh, two jazz gigs and a bluegrass gig. Wow! Yeah, the bluegrass was the recording. It was one song, real quick in and out. It's mm-hmm. Nice, nice to get into that studio. It's a beautiful place. It's black yeah. if you have a chance look at Blackwater recording in in Wirtz, Virginia and it's just an absolutely gorgeous facility and, and top-notch engineers and really nice guys plug 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 yeah is that the one you were telling me about with the paneled room and like the view of the water and yeah yeah yeah. it's it's right on smith mountain lake on nice the, right off the blackwater portion of it hence blackwater recording and it's yeah. just it's an absolutely stunning place just to be and it just seems to you know bring out the best of musicians I, i'm not the only one that really likes that place other musicians are like yeah i just love going going down there because it's such a cool place yeah well that's got to put a spring in your step knowing that you're out there and you're uh and you're getting to continue to uh to uh play for your supper exactly man exactly it's uh it's it's kind of it's kind of nice i'm not gonna lie yeah yeah good for you so one of the things that um that's been rolling around my head for a while Uh because we're you know we're always like all right so what are we going to talk about what are we going to talk about and we all, you know, we've known each other just a relatively short time, a couple of years, I guess, yeah. would be the best best time frame to put on it. Right. It's and, funny when I think of it in those terms, but yeah, it is it, actually it, relatively uh, relatively short. It is. It is, and and have become fairly close friends in that time frame. Yeah. But, I, but we, you know, we we still have these conversations that most of my friends and I have gone through at one point or another, where. Uh huh. Hey man, what was your first car? Or hey man, what was your crappiest car? Right. <laughs> What's the car that you wish you still had when it was in its best condition? That kind of thing. Yeah. And so let's talk about that. Yeah, we never have talked about uh, <laughs> about that. It sounds pretty basic, but you know, in the, but we we have always we we have some you know we have some very um, what I'll call some non commodity kind of conversations, and you know we never even covered something as basic as that. I, I know. Well, and and the thing is, because you, um, I do know a little bit about your upbringing, and yeah, it it, it ended up Virginia way. Right, uh, and especially during your formative years, and Virginia's a big state. Around here, the car's a big deal. You know, it's not like uh, up north. You know, I had friends in college that came from New York, and they said, "Yeah, I don't even have a driver's license because I don't need it." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, wow!" Because for me, that you know, that was the first sign of adult freedom was the ability to get into this large rolling thing and go down the street 
uh, with my parents not telling me where I, I should turn and go and do all that stuff. And, and, and I don't know if, if the, the vehicle freedom was as strong with you as it was with me. Oh yeah. Well, um, so just a couple thoughts. Number one, um, absolutely, uh, a car symbolized being able to get out under my own, uh, under my own steam to, to mix a metaphor. Right. Um, and uh, the other is that um, cars were definitely something, you know, growing up in Charleston, South Carolina, that, you know, definitely uh, in the 70s I saw as being a, um, a, an expression of uh, individuality and, uh, and who you were. I mean, uh, everything from cars to panel, uh, airbrushed panel vans, I understood right. very young that a car was, um, you know, wasn't... Something to express yourself, right? It was an outward expression of who you were. Or not who you were, but who you want the people to perceive you to be. Right. So there's certainly a style component to it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we would call those like candy vans or (laughs) whatever you want to call those now. But yeah, no, I dig that. So, So here's the question. What was your first vehicle? Um, uh, Well, my first vehicle was nothing close to the one that I dreamt of having when I was a kid. Um which I should say was I was pretty sure that when I grew up I was going to get myself a a purple um roadrunner early 70s. Ooh. That's what I was into. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we liked uh yeah, we liked those we liked those bright colors on the Plymouth when I was a kid. So the, the Plymouth line man, that was that was that was dope. Yeah, so my very first car I actually did not even um I didn't get until right uh, right around the time I was finishing college, believe it or not. And my twin brother and I got our hands on a 1978 Honda Civic hatchback. But here's the catch. It had a brand new engine in it. Oh, sweet. Yeah, and it was the oddest thing. There was a guy who was selling it, and he had just put this new engine in this hatchback because he wanted it to last forever. And then... Uh, and it's unfortunate, but he'd had an accident at work, and I think he worked in one of the shipyards down n- near where I'm from. I think it was in uh, in Norfolk, and he'd lost an eye, and he couldn't drive anymore. And his oh. wife didn't want him to be tempted to go and take the car out, <laughs> so she made him sell it immediately for whatever he could get. And my brother and I just happened to be the first people to show up. Oh, nice. Yeah, so we'll give you two dollars for it. Yeah, for a thousand bucks, we got a little Honda hatchback that only had about. Um, I'd say roughly a hundred thousand miles on it, but the engine, the new engine, was literally only about a thousand miles in. Oh, wow! Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's going to be the ancillary stuff that you'd have to fix, not the engine stuff. Yeah. So that was a lucky break for, yeah. particularly for a guy that had not been able to put enough nickels together to get into a car while he was in school. Right. So that's where I started. Right. How about you? What was your first? My, my first was an inherit. What well, was the family car for a bit? Mm-hmm. And then my family got another car and just gave me that. And uh, it was a 1970 Mercury Marauder. Oh, okay. Two-door coupe. That's, um, it's, it, it is the epitome of, of a land yacht. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it's less steering and more of navigating, like a big channel boat. And um, it was great. Um it had a 429 cubic inch engine in it, mm. which meant it would go really fast. How much gas did that thing eat? 
all of it. <laughs> I mean, dude, it, it, you could you as you press the accelerator down, as the speedometer went up, the gas hand went down almost in sync. I mean, it just. <laughs> It guzzled gas. It, I, but then again, at the time, and sort of dating myself, you know, this is, I was, I started driving in 84, I uh-huh. guess. Gas uh-huh. was still less than like a dollar and a half a gallon. I think it was around a dollar a gallon when I was in high school. So, I mean, yeah, cost of living and all that stuff. But even filling up that, that tank only took like 15 bucks. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know uh, I was lucky that you know my fo- first of all my folks were really uh, were really generous with letting my brother and I take the car out. My oh, parents yeah. had a couple exactly. of cars and and they let us uh, and they had um, some fairly new and pretty nice uh, Toyotas. So I you know I had to put gas in the in the car, but as you point out, gas was not that expensive, and you know the Toyotas didn't eat a whole lot. So yeah, exactly. You know what you know what got me though. Um, my my sister is four years younger than I am. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the deal. When you first got able to drive, you borrowed the family car. All right. Until you prove yourself worthy. And then we'll make some arrangements. Either you're going to you know, pay for part of it, like I did. I went to work you know, at 16 and, and bought my my first car. I put my down payment on. I think my parents finished it off for me. But <laughs> but my, my I drove, and you should go out and Google 1970 Mercury Marauder at some point just to see what this beast looked like. It, it was a... It was a true muscle car. I mean, but it had a family sedan feel about it, which was just kind of odd. But anyway, uh, so by the time my sister got to driving age, mom and dad had bought a newer Thunderbird when they redesigned them and turned them into a cool, like, coupe. Not the two-door or the two-seater, but the the mid-range, like the mid-80s. And it was a a bad-looking car, dude. I mean, I was a little, like, jealous of all right i drove i drove a hoopty mobile for two years and you're getting to drive state-of-the-art flame red thunderbird yeah i know that feeling i you know I've, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've got a baby sister and uh when she was in college uh much later uh late 90s uh, my parents bought her a uh, a reboot of the vw bug right and i'm like oh, wow really guys <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it, I think you agree with me. We did have a, this conversation at one point that we that there's an underappreciation mm-hmm. of the disposable car in today's society. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and here's the thing. You know, um, I have I have really I have been in opposite extremes on the cars that I have owned. There have been a couple I have owned purely for the impractical enjoyment of them. And and then there have been the other ones which have been strictly about uh, you know economy or even throwaway, um, and like so I'll, I'll give you an example like yeah you know, throwaway car that I had and I had for a very long time uh, was a uh, almost purple colored uh, speaking of purple cars or at least a an ugly maroon of a, of a Nissan Sentra nineteen probably about in nineteen ninety eight. And uh, I drove that thing for I don't know I got it I got it for a thousand bucks at like eighty thousand miles and I drove it all the way to two hundred and fifteen or two hundred sixteen thousand before it finally blew a rod so I got my money's worth out of that one. Right, you know it's it, it's funny. I um, recently 
in fact, it was this week, got, got a new vehicle because my, uh, my beloved Volvo XC70 that I've been driving around for mm-hmm. a while, station wagon because upright player. Right. And, um, you know, but I'm limited to, uh, pickup trucks with camper shells, minivans, SUVs or station wagons. No, nothing else will do for somebody that carries an instrument that's six feet tall. That's right. So, but anyway, it 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 would it just started doing a lot more shake rattle and rolling than I wanted it to. So I, I, I did a trade in with one of our local car dealers and got a really a, a more dependable ride, to say to say the least. Oh, well done. Yeah, well, thank you. Uh, you know, and working out the financial arrangements, making sure it all works out, and mm-hmm, it, it mm-hmm. did. Thankfully, you know, the balance of what I was going to pay for this car and what I was going to have to pay to fix mine were starting to even out. And um, so did that, and I was talking with one of my students up at Sweetbriar today, and she really put it in perspective because she asked me, well, how many miles did you have on the old Volvo? And I said, well, I had 266,000 miles on it. And she went, that's a quarter million. (laughs) And it just stopped me in my tracks, and it it really hit me. But the thing is, that car was, was my road car when I was playing with Long Strange Night, Mm-hmm. It it was from one side of Virginia to the other, up into West Virginia, just about every weekend. So it was a I, when I got it, it had less than a hundred thousand miles on it. So mm-hmm. I mean, it it really did. You know, like you said, it's one of those things where you get your money's worth out of it. And and I think that sometimes we get so caught up in the the latest and the greatest and the newest. And yes, we all want the nice stuff, but there there comes a time when it's like do I spend you know twice what I need in a car for the same situation? Sure. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's funny too. Um, you know, um, I was in a similar situation when, when that center I told you about finally threw a rod, I was in a bit of a lurch financially at the time and I just had to figure something out. And I had a friend at a dealership and he directed me to another one and I went there and they had a car on the lot. They couldn't move. And so they were willing to make a deal. Yeah. Love those. Yeah. So it was, it was a similar car. It was also a Nissan Sentra, but it was, the color was called Sunburst. I call it Hopewell Yellow. Um, (laughs) So in the, uh, in the mid 2000s, for a while there, Nissan had this very bright yellow color that they were rocking. And, uh, oh, I remember that. Yeah. It was, it it wasn't sunshine orange, but, but it it was, it was our yellow. It was really bright. Yeah. And, and, uh, but not neon bright. (laughs) Right. This thing had a spoiler on the back, just in case, you know, you thought you were going to get lift in your Sentra. I mean, it was, um, and no one wanted it. And, uh, and well, it had, well, come on, man. Really? And I'm like, Hey, I'm like, I named the thing, the sun King. I told everyone work at work. I was glad to have it. And, uh, I drove that for a couple of years. Um, and you know what? So that might not have been that. So, so it wasn't the throwaway car because it was actually, it was not very high in mileage and I did get a good price on it. And I did end up trading it in after a couple of years when, right. when things improved, but I would, uh, I would file that under the, uh, you do what you got to do kind of car. And, uh, uh, yeah, I had, I had that car. It was a 1973 Dodge Dart. 
Ooh, Dodge Dart. And this was in the mid '90s that I had that. It was I had a had a little pickup truck that threw a rod, and it mm-hmm. was just like I can't replace this. And my my dad, being gracious but also with a sense of humor, went down the street, and there literally the story is the little old lady down the street that drove it for groceries and church had had it brand, since it was brand new in '73. It had less than sixty thousand miles on it. And after 20 years and she was like, yeah, I'm going to stop driving. Do you want it? And he bought it and gave it to me to, for a make do until I could get my car fixed. (laughs) Right. So that's like hashtag, uh, I don't know. What would the hashtag on that be? You know, uh, Hey, don't judge me. Uh, um, I, I, my sister said it just needed the, the, uh, dingleberry, like, uh, the uh, trim from the 70s vans that had the loop with the ball, loop, ball, loop, ball. <laughs> I think she referred to it as the Puerto Rican love machine at one point. And uh, I, I, I thought, that's stop. <laughs> Just leave me alone. Let me drive my dart. It didn't even have an FM. It just had an AM radio in it. So. Oh, okay. So you know that you were in a premium model there. I have to tell you that I got to say this real quick. The uh, the Sun King, the car I just told you about, mm-hmm. also had a um, had an uh, like an aftermarket security system put into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so it had this. That's almost like if I had done that for the Dodge Dart. Yeah, yeah. It was. It, it was. It really. It was more than almost. It was basically exactly like that. <laughs> Except maybe if yours had been a bright yellow and had a spoiler on the back. It was basically uh, that. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. yeah. So um, so you want to talk about, you know, um, you know, you, it takes a certain amount of bravado where you're like, I meant to do that. I meant to drive this car. It's a statement, and I'm into it. Yeah, and, well, exactly. You, it's, a, it's a meta expression of yourself at that point. Sure. Yeah. But, but you know what? Hey, that car got me where I was going like that dart got you where you were where, going. Yeah, right? point A to point B. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm looking for. And, yes, I would like to be a little more stylish on arrival, but it's not a necessity. <laughs> I, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, did you, have, did you have a favorite car in your past? It sounds like the Sun King was like. The, like maybe a favorite, but not in a favorite kind of way. Uh, so the, the the Sun King has just got a it's just got a, a fun story around it, and you know, um, and uh, I would say that my favorite car was actually um, was actually also yellow, but a lot a lot cooler. It was a um, it was a brand new uh, Mini Cooper S two thousand two. Oh, right and uh, I had pre-ordered it. I was looking forward to when they came out of uh, when they were gonna come out of production and launch. I had one of the very first ones in Richmond, literally, at the uh, the brand new uh, mini dealership there on West Broad Street. And uh, there were pe- plenty of people who would stop me and say, "What is that car? It was that new." And I had the time of my life. Uh, it, you know, it was uh, it was a little rocket ship that had great handling. It was under a ton, and it had uh, 180 horsepower and a oh. supercharged engine. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. It, so, it moved, is what you're saying. It did, and you know, the wheels were on the corners, and they were 36 inch Pirelli run flats, and, and you know, and they zipped. You zipped. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so I had never really had any trouble uh, with police before that car. <laughs> but but I did get to get a traffic court and driving school and all the other things that everyone else gets to. Oh, and, that 
that Saturday where you go, yeah. I will never speed again. Yeah. If I have to do this Saturday class again, I promise I will never speed again. I had a ton of fun in that car, and you know what? Uh, no regrets. I'm glad no that I regrets. did it. <laughs> I do remember there was a time that I uh, was on, on 295 outside southeast of Richmond, and there's a huge uh, suspension bridge on, on, the, uh, on the beltway there, and uh, it's pretty notable if you're from the area. And as I was approaching it, I saw that there was a state cop at the top of it. And so I slowed down. Um, he still pulled me over and he let me know, yeah, you know, and I know that I couldn't clock you, but you need to slow down because you were quote, getting it. <laughs> and he's right. I was. So, yeah, when uh, state, and when a state cop says you were uh, uh, getting it, <laughs> yeah, you should probably back down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, roadside conferences with the blue lights aside, uh, it really it was a great car to drive. I had a great time in the uh, early mid two thousands uh, driving that, and it more than got me to where I was going. I was driving a lot for work at the time, and it was just right. a, it was affordable, it was comfortable, and um, you know, and I had the time of my life. It, it was financially silly. It was completely imprudent, and uh, you know, which is I, why. Again. Again, that that whole discussion about new versus used, even a late model used, is such a financial statement in a better way than buying something brand new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It absolutely is. And you know what? If you've never had a new vehicle and one that you've really, really wanted, and one that you made, should do that though. Yeah, absolutely. I've, right. I've done. I've done exactly one. Yeah. Okay. I had a, I bought a, um, this is when I was in the telecom business working as, as the IT officer for a, for a call center here in the area. And, um, I really fell in love with the Jeep Liberties. I don't know why, but yeah. 2003, I was making a decent income and I said, I have never had a new car in my life. I've never experienced the new car smell. Right. That that is my new car smell. I've been in new cars. I go, mm, that smells like more money than I've got right now. <laughs> and and so it was like I I'm I'm at that point. I'm like, yes, this is what I'm going to do. I really liked those. I'm uh, I'm not surprised that you uh, settled on that. I mean, that you chose I, one of those. And and it was a great car for short commutes. It was great. When I left the call center business and started working uh, doing ophthalmic repair, I, I had a pretty large couple state range and that thing was the most uncomfortable thing after about 40 miles it was the seats were too short they cut you right in the middle of your hamstrings i mean no matter who drove it i, mean, oh, I had short yeah. friends tall friends meet whatever and it was it was like yeah and it just solidified that i am never buying another new car again it went through three recalls but when i first got it i was so excited about it i, I absolutely loved it and but then you have that experience and it's just like all right you know here i am in debt up to my eyeballs for this brand new vehicle that mm, yeah I, I, I really don't want to drive and it what ended up is i got i i was putting together a list as we were talking about all this i've got three my three favorite cars that i've ever owned and that car that 2003 liberty led to one of my favorite three favorite cars it was a um a late 80s um jeep wrangler with soft top uh, yeah i bought it as a, i was like 
I don't want to drive the Liberty, but I still, you know, kind of want to be a Jeep dude. And so I, I found one of these at a used car lot and just, I said, yes. And I drove, literally drove the wheels off that thing. The, the, the transmission cracked. <laughs> I drove it so much. I just, it just said, stop. I can't. No more. Oh, you got your money's worth out of that one. That's, that's it, cool. It, exactly. And it was great. I, I even loved driving it in the winter when you would freeze your uh, extremities. Uh, because there is, I mean, it has good heat, but it's only in the center. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you, the left side of your body is, is frozen to the door but i loved it so you were part of that like uh that informal society on the road of wrangler drivers that are like this brotherhood that all know each other and like you know well, nod we, we and pre- wave. well we nod and wave but it's the same thing with motorcycles i had a motorcycle for a while too and it's the same way motorcycles wave and they wave at each other in a certain way that you, if you're a motorcyclist you know what we're talking about wrangler guys are the same way and um <laughs> there was a while that when the liberties were first taking off that if you passed a Liberty, the people would flash an L with their hand. But, you know, after a while with the recalls, they just realized, loser. <laughs> so it, it kind of stopped. But, yeah, but but that gets back to that whole idea we were talking about the about the car as, as a statement. You know, at that point, that was an outward definition of what I wanted people to perceive of me, of this rugged, outdoorsy, Jeep Wrangler kind of guy. You know, although I'm not by any stretch of the imagination that jeep wrangler kind of guy i'm not going camping i'm not going slinging through the woods hunting you know that it was just purely the vehicle and whatever people thought about me was fine but yeah Yeah. so um i did briefly have a jeep uh cherokee it was a late 80s cherokee so that was before um the the really before suvs were a thing Right. This probably still had the option for the wood paneling on the side. Yeah. So this one did not have that, but the interior, like the seats and the floor or what have you, were all vinyl. Ooh. And uh, yeah. So while it sounds like miserable, it really was not that uncomfortable. But the best part was, you know, if you took it to the beach, you could just hose it out when you were finished. Exactly. Actually, the 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 uh, Toyota FJs were built around that principle. Everything in the in the interior is watertight. So that if you get mud in them, you just go spray them out. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a great. That's great for a vehicle like that, though. So, is there is there a car in your in your history, and maybe you've already named it, but is there one where you've been like, "Wow, you know, I'm glad that's over. That thing was nothing but trouble." Yes, and we've not talked about it. Uh, I had I had for a moment in time a um, a Ford Expedition. <laughs> I was I was I was hauling around sound equipment in a in a eight uh, a six by or five by eight enclosed trailer, so I needed something that could get up and down the mountains around here, and so I got this this behemoth of a thing, uh, eight cylinders, and talking about sucking down some gas. I think the mileage on that thing was twelve on the highway, and um. A tank to get me between gas stations when I was in town. Right. I mean, it, it was it was just it just ate me up, and it was an all-wheel drive, and you know it wasn't a new one, it wasn't an old one, but it 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 was getting up there in mileage, and the um, the wheel the uh, alignment was starting to go, mm-hmm. so that would eat up wheels, <laughs> and when you have to replace wheels on an all-wheel drive vehicle. You have to replace all four, even though the ones on the back were fine. 
So after twice going through, like the guy said, yep, yeah, we're aligned now. You're all fine. And it getting so bad that it burned out the, the, um, oh, what do they call that thing? There's a, um, some kind of bearing unit in the front transfer case, front transfer case or rear transfer case. One of them busted because the wheels were so the, the all wheel drive will, will burn them up if the wheels aren't the same diameter circumference, whatever. And, uh, yeah, so it cost me $900 to reshoe that pony each time. Ouch. Yeah. Cause they were 17 inch wheels. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, you know, it's yeah, a- yeah. So just in that, in the gas alone, I was just like, ah, I should have never done this, <laughs> <laughs> but it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful vehicle. I really liked the styling of it. Uh, it was big and I'm big and it was comfortable and I, you know, it was great for a moment, but then all of a sudden it's like $1,800 in, in tires, you know, yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, for the love of God. You know, we hinted at it that the total cost of ownership of a car is something you don't really understand until you get in. And, right. uh, and you know what? I won't kid you as much as I really loved that Mini Cooper S. Uh, I did discover that when I would take you to the dealership and they say, oh, it needs, uh, we need to take a look at the supercharger fan. It shouldn't be that expensive. That meant $500. Exactly. I had an Audi uh-huh. for a while. I, I, tra- I did some work for an opth- opt- optometrist that was looking to get rid of a vehicle. And I said, well, I'll just trade you the, the time for the car. Mm-hmm. You know, you buy the parts, but I'll trade time for you. And he was like, yeah, that's great. So half a year's worth of work later, you know, he's paid off. And I had this, this, oh, it was great. It was an Audi A4 Quattro. Oh, yeah, that's a nice car. And unfortunately, I was at my largest, which was uh, in the South, we call that a big old boy. (laughs) Um, Not that I'm like a tiny fritter now, but, you know, I was, I was, it was unusual for me to let myself go that way, but I did. So there you have it. And, um, putting on that car was like putting on a wetsuit getting into that thing but once i was in it oh my god it became my go-to vehicle if i didn't have to carry like big tools just my regular tool case when i was doing the ophthalmic work mm-hmm. i would drive that thing and it actually paid for itself over the summer uh the summer that i got it was the that year i can't remember what year it was about 15 years ago that where we had gas hit the 455 dollar mark in virginia and just based on the 36 miles a gallon that thing got on the highway, I was, you know, it, it paid for itself in savings. But you're right about those blue light conversations. Uh, yeah. That thing was just a bullet, and it it got me in trouble. I ended up at a dip class, too, because of it. And it's just, it's. but I love that car. Yeah. Oh. You know, sometimes we've talked about um, about the, the rate of change in technology and how that's just changing any number of things, that we, how we work, where we live, what ball we, we will now go to, et cetera. Right. And, um, you know, and I don't know about you, you know, in the inside of this, this planning for what's ahead, I really am hoping that the car that I'm in right now is going to be the last car of the uh, of the gas burning flavor that I'm ever going to own. You know, I'm I'm probably I'm a, I'm probably about another generation of cars away from that myself. Yeah, I think I'm, there may be one more after the one I just got, uh, but I think by that time the technology is going to be such that like I have a buddy that's um, 
he's a guitar player with the big band I play with in Roanoke. And he's a, um, a chemical engineer grad from tech. Works for a multinational that does some really cool things um, with, um, they convert, uh, use motor oil into a cleaner burning heating oil for third world countries until they can get up and running with their, you know, into cleaner fuel systems. And uh, he's been a big proponent. He's had electric cars before they were really feasible for anything other than like a 30-minute drive. Right. And, and he was, you know, he got a Prius when they first came out. And he's driving a whatever the Chevrolet version of a Volt, I think it is, or Leaf or whatever. I think it's Volt or something like that. I, I, I can't remember what the, the Chevy product is, but he has one of those now. And he's like, yeah, the thing with the Prius is the first generation of these things, they're not going to be worth anything to drive as a used vehicle and that doesn't solve the problem of getting the technology to the folks that don't have you know i think an electric car runs you a little bit proud of what a normal car would for the same size and whatnot because the price isn't hasn't come down enough yet without the subsidies to where it's it's feasible to offer them at a low rate you, you pay a premium for them and the folks that maybe would consider buying a used one of those are not because the technology is not caught up with it to where they're viable past their original lifetime plus a couple of years. So they're, they've got about a five-year tag on them before the batteries, at least the first generation, before the batteries start giving you issues and, and mechanical failure of that sort. That's not viable for that, that, that hand-me-down system that we have with cars. Yeah, true that hand-me-down system that we that we're enjoying right now would have to be rethought or reinvented and you know so i think there's a couple things happening right now you know one is just the attention and the generational shift um Mm -hmm. around climate and, and you know um under the the population under 40 is now just over 50 percent and you know so that attitude and that that value system and their whole take on driving is so much different than the one that we have you know yes. um and with ubers and whatever else and then you know of course elon my uh, elon musk brings a lot more uh, hype with him than news on any given day but he still is changing a lot of things with the, with yeah. his whole effort oh. inside of tesla it, definitely, and 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 it's not the car technology that is is the thing. It's the battery technology that they're building, right? And you know, so this is where uh, this is where I'm making plans, and I don't know whether or not it will be a 1970 purple uh, Roadrunner, <laughs> but there are people who are taking old cars, uh, classics, and they are uh, restoring them and, and then retrofitting yeah. them with an electric. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, so that's, well, that's a, cool. that's a thing. If you go out there and search around for it, you know, not a lot, but there's, there are people who are exploring that. And, uh, so it could just be that we could go back and imagine what was in our matchbox or hot wheels collection when we were kids. And, well, if you think about it, man, that we're not too far away from that anyway with the, the, the 3D printing capabilities that we have now of building a shell car to drop over top of a frame so you can have whatever design you want, your wildest imagination, as long as it hooks to the four or five points that it needs to, to hook to the chassis and the motors, you know. And we're about to become relics where we are talking about the days where your car as a, as a point of expression was not actually something that you would select yourself. It was just part of a, uh, a line of vehicles from a, a car manufacturer. And how right. industrial is that? Exactly. And now you can just punch in a button and change your car.
And as we wrap up this episode, we want to thank those that have chosen to listen. Let your friends know that they can find the Not Necessarily Mad podcast in most places that you find your favorite podcast, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Pandora, and many others, as well as our home at madfamworld.com. You can find a complete list of our podcast outlets, links to things we discuss, photos and extra podcast content on our Facebook page. Search for the Not Necessarily Mad podcast there. Stop by and give us a like. Stay safe.